Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey, we're Rifters. Welcome to the show. Keith Reza with the one and only Alan Lee. Alan Lee, how are you? I'm in great shape. How are you, man? Doing good. You were uh, just showing me your beautiful art paintings. Yeah, yeah. I'm going back into it. You know, I painted uh, years ago, and uh, I'm thinking of going back in. Like, I just showed you the Pikachu, and I'm going to show you my abstract. Mm-hmm. I like that, huh? Oh, that looks pretty cool. I like the blue and the red and the yellow. Yeah, yeah. Now, this paint. is a, a very simple one. These are like flowers. Yeah. Are you going to show me soon all these? No, hell no. I, I think you should. Oh, get out of here. Just don't, try to keep it. Let's keep it together here, man. Let's not try <laughs> to go off on art and shit that. Let's not fuck it up. Yeah, because you're sensitive. Whoa, that's a cool shoe. No, it's not even a Nike. It's a Converse. See? Yeah. What yeah, color are you going to paint it? You know, I don't know whether to just leave it white or pink or red. Right. Or, or, you know. So anyway, uh, we'll see if I uh, go back and I start painting uh, faces of different comics. Uh-huh. Maybe one of the first ones I'm going to paint, the cartoonish ones. You know, like, like, oh, you, hey, you want to see one of my paintings? <laughs> That's really good. You, d- you did that by yourself? Or is that Photoshopped? I had a guy paint it. Yeah, that's your that's your special. You've been you've my been, special. Uh, Keith Razor, make it happen. Now available on iTunes. I like it. I like it. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's I like the I like the hyenas and the ostriches. That's right. Yeah. Are you going to hang it up somewhere, like in a gallery, an art gallery? As soon as I can find a nail. No, as soon as you can find a gallery. Yeah, a gallery. You can find a nail any fucking place. You can find what down the street a Target or a nail is finding a gallery that would put that up. That would be a real challenge. I I could just ask Andy Dick. No, you know what? That you got me there. He does have a gallery. Wait a minute. Right. Where? It's on a what? It's in West Hollywood. You don't remember? He he always wanted us to go to see him as gallery, and pay thirty dollars to look at a painting that you and I could have did oh, on no, a McDonald's no, no. couch. I thought that was just IKEA. No, it was IKEA. No. He loves IKEA. Well, we should introduce our our guest in case she hops in. Um, mm-hmm. If you guys like the show, subscribe, brain review. On Apple Podcast, follow us on iHeartRadio. We're on everything, YouTube, Instagram, what and uh, iTunes. Yeah, that that's I, Apple Podcast now. You never, say, you never say iTunes. It's weird to me. Because iTunes got got merged into Apple Podcast. I was on it the other day listening to podcasts. Yeah, it's Apple Podcast now. It's weird. Oh, but we have a great guest today. She's been the star of such films like You Don't Mess with the Zohan. She's been on 60 Minutes, numerous TED Talks, and General Hospital, the great Maysoon Zaid. She'll be joining us via Zoom. I'm excited. 
Are you excited to talk to May soon? I definitely am. I think she's yeah. an amazing woman. Amazing. And uh, she's not as amazing as you, Alan Lee. I, I want you to know that. You're an amazing guy. I think she's much more amazing. What I'm afraid of uh, is you're going to hit on, you're going to do something, you're going to hit on her or something and just come on, man. Yeah. Uh, be cool. It, have you ever gone on Zoom dating? Never. I, I, I just explain that to the audience to me. So Zoom dating is a lot like speed dating, but you do it via Zoom. And it's very, very, like, you got to set up a profile. It's very weird. How different is it than Tinder and all that? I, what do you mean? Because you're videoing. Tinder, you don't video. You just, like, type or whatever. But you have a profile in Tinder? Do I? I'm sure I do. Yeah, I haven't been on Tinder in, like, two years, though. Because I, I wasn't good at tendering. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm on the fence on Tinder. I don't know what to do. Yeah. But, like, with Zoom dating, you get on a Zoom and, like, say if I was an attractive girl and I'm Zooming with you, right? Yeah. Or vice versa. You're an attractive girl and I'm Zooming with me, right? And uh, we're not hitting it off. We still got 10 minutes to do this Zoom thing. You know what I mean? It's You can't just leave? I'm sure you can, but then you would be rude, right? Uh, or that would be genius. What? That would be genius to leave. What would be genius about it? You just push the button and leave. I don't follow you. Yeah, and then say what Alan Lee says. Oh, I lost internet connection. Well, you know, I'm sorry that that happened with our last guest, who I really enjoyed, um, and he was a lot of fun, as you know. And uh, like I said, because uh, my battery, I didn't realize we did two that day, back to back. Oh, that's right, we did do two. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I'm not, I forgot to put the charger in because there's two. Like we're not doing two today. My, my laptop's fine, but it's kind of funny in a way because I. Do you think it's harder doing like? Do you think it's harder doing two, or do you think it's easier doing two? I don't think it's, it makes any difference. I think I think it doesn't matter. I think I think the first one we get warmed up, and the second one we're warmed up. No, you know what I, mean? I, I disagree. I disagree. Oh, you do. You know, as a professional performer, as you are, and I, I consider myself that, we don't have to warm up with one performance in order to do another performance. I think you you're warmed up when you go out. That's it. When the when, you know when they. When they announce you in any in any medium, you're ready to go. You don't go. Let me see you now. This this performance, I'm going to warm up, and then the next performance, I'll be warm enough to really perform. I, I just don't. I've never heard anyone say that. Really, but I have heard them feel that they were better because they did a set. I, I you know I, I don't want to tell you. I kind of agree with you on one level because they have said, oh, you know, I got up my first set and then came back for the second show. And I felt like I was a little bit stronger. Is, is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. Like you do the first show, right? And say like, you're like, oh, when, when was the last time you did a, a weekend though? It's been like- A weekend? weekend? Yeah. It's been like what, well, two years? Yeah. Don't say, what did you say, years ago? What did you say? That's not- I said, I said like two years ago. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't remember. I, I, don't I think a year ago and I would say two. Oh, okay. A year ago. So you did a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? The first yeah. show Friday, right? You're like, ah, this is a little. The second show you destroyed, right? 
I did well. Yeah. So that's what I'm so saying. saying that the second one was better because I warmed up with the first. You going back to what what you said? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm not saying it was or wasn't better. I'm saying like that's usually how it is when we do yeah. two. We can. Do you remember that one time we did three? No, I do. That was tough. I felt. And the time that that we I didn't even know, and we went. I'm sorry to bring up Jay Moore, but he did a, he did call back and say you know he didn't make it out to uh, out to uh, what do you, I'm sorry coast not what's wrong with you not coast of me so where you live Huntington Beach right uh, where you have that club oh and yeah at the rec room where we yeah I mean that for me that was it was a wonderful experience to be up there and to go up there Alan and you just gotta go the whatever it was 12, 15 minutes. And then you went. You ended up doing and, half an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went up there and you said, "For those who don't know me, I'm uh, dating myself." <laughs> and everyone's like, "What? What?" And you're like, "Yeah, uh, my name's Alan Lee." <laughs> yeah, I'm dating. Do a little way. I'm saying a lot of single people. You you missed it. You missed the intro. I said, there's a lot of single people out here I know, and I'm single too. And uh, you know what? I'm dating myself now. Uh-huh. There's usually laughter. And, we're, uh, and the- we're still waiting for the great Maysoon Zarid to – did I say her last name right? Uh, Zaid. Zaid? All right. I bet she knows Nimmer. Oh, I bet you she does too. I got to call Nimmer. Nemmer's one of those guys where I was tied to him a lot for like two months and then we just stopped talking. So like whenever I call him and stuff, he just doesn't pick up. I think it's because he's busy. I don't Why know. Comics don't pick up. All, yeah. oh, oh, all of them don't. You don't, you don't even pick up. So I don't know what you're surprised about that. I don't get it. I've been better. Come on. You got to give me some credit. I've been better. But I don't think it's a bad thing not to pick up. I, I think I. Think oh, Maysoon is here. Okay, I'll introduce you. All right. <laughs> uh, how's my hair? Oh. Great. Uh, hey, Maysoon. Hi, Maysoon. Thanks for uh, daring to come on this, uh, what we call, Hold this on. Po- we call a podcast. Oh. We think it's a podcast. <laughs> she said, Hold on, Alec. Oh, I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> Can you, can you hear me? Hello. Hi. Hey, Mason. How are you? I can't hear you guys. You, you can't? You? I can hear you now. Yes, oh. now I can. Uh, Hi. How Hi. are you, Mason? I'm good. I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, I had just gotten the, the day wrong. I wasn't trying to change it. I have oh. a schedule. Uh, I, had a, I had a whole different show last night. Okay, let's get this price started. Who's the guy with the glasses? Hi, Alan. Hi, I'm Alan Lee. How you doing, me, Sue? And uh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm Alan Lee. The sometimes comic, sometimes not, and here I am. Oh, are we doing this together? Yeah, he's the trusty yeah. sidekick. No, that's what I love about. it. You're Ed McMahon. <laughs> my ear pod is in my hair. It didn't go in my ear. That happens sometimes. It's very late for me right now. I try not to work after three. Oh. <laughs> oh you're in New York right now, right? I'm in Jersey. New Jersey. Oh mm-hmm. so, so six o'clock. 
Yeah, six o'clock. Yeah. It's because of, like in real life, I used to be like going to the club at like ten p.m. Right. But when you're on Zoom from like six forty-five in the morning because I'm working on a project in London too, by oh. six p.m. you're like, I can't look at another computer. Oh. So let's do this because I'm <laughs> super excited and I want to <laughs> kick around Alan. Yeah, I knew that I'm was sad. Happen. My shirt doesn't show. We have to show it to them. It's Eagle Fang Karate from Cobra oh. Kai. Holy Lord, we love Cobra Kai. Oh, yeah, yes. look, it's Eagle Fang. That's fantastic. <laughs> With wow. the blood on the fangs. So wow. we have to show them that. That's so yeah, cool. that's... Dude, when that came out, like, I saw everyone on Facebook was buying those shirts. I should have bought one. Yeah, you know what the problem was? I got a Cobra Kai shirt, and now they're fucking evil. So then I had to go get Eagle Fang, and I gave <laughs> Cobra Kai to the COVID poor. <laughs> so, so you're you're a big Johnny Lawrence fan, or or do you like Daniel Rizzuto? No, I'm a Johnny Lawrence fan, and I was even a Johnny Lawrence fan, like in the original series. And then How I Met Your Mother did the whole thing where Neil Patrick Harris's character thought Johnny Lawrence was a hero, and I was like, I've been seen. It's totally true. I, I love William Zabka. I think he's such a fantastic actor. And I love Danny. I love Daniel LaRusso because he's Johnny from The Outsiders. So that's like gagun gagun, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. Do you yeah. know the, do you guys know The Outsiders? Yeah, Emilio Estevez, Matt Dillon, Tom Cruise, Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe, uh, Patrick Swayze, Patrick Swayze, Di- Diane Lane. Well, Diane yeah. Lane. Was- because my sister's a dancer, and she in the on Broadway we were Alan. Uh, cats and. And her teacher was Patrick Swayze's uh, mother. Patrick. Wife. Oh, her, her, his mother. Because Lisa Nimi, his wife, is also a dancer. I oh, love, yes, love, yes. love Patrick Swayze. Like, what love him. Person. What a sweet oh, God rest his soul. Yeah. Speaking of dancing, you were also a dancer, right? I'm a dancer. I danced on Broadway November 4th of last year, and I would be still dancing on stages across America if the pandemic hadn't shut mm. every live space down. So I have cerebral palsy. I know I just appear yeah. to be drunk, yeah. um, but I'm not drunk. I have cerebral palsy. And um, uh, my parents couldn't afford physical therapy, so they sent me a tap class. I grew up in Jersey, right next to the George Washington Bridge. Like I can mm-hmm. literally walk from my house into the city. So I was like a Broadway baby. I started going to see Broadway shows when I was eight. I saw Evita with oh. Patti LuPone, Mandy wow. Patinkin, and Jonathan Price. So like I'm like an OG. Yes, he played Shay. It was unbelievable. And Patti LuPone as Evita. Anyway, I fell in love with Broadway, dreamt of dancing on Broadway. And when I was 12, I went to this like dancers convention and they had these like Broadway divas like coaching us and they went around the room and they were like, what's your dream? And the other girls were like, I want to be a unicorn and dance diva was like, you go girl. And then <laughs> I said, oh, I tap dance on stage with Sabian Glover and bring in the noise, bring in the funk. And she said, you're a cripple girl, find another dream. So I did, which was to be on General Hospital. But anyway, I become no. a comedian I, and I do a live nation tour. 
And one of the stops on the Live Nation tour was Town Hall on Broadway, which is an actual Broadway theater. So yeah. I fucking tap danced on Broadway. Wow. <laughs> Man. Yeah. And you also appeared on General Hospital. I think you're still I on. Yeah. I am on General Hospital. I'm currently on General Hospital. I play um, Shark Zara Amir. And I've been out of sight because I live in Jersey and it's in California. And yeah. I'm getting my first vaccine on February 22nd. So hopefully I'll be back on set and uh, back on screens very, very soon. We're okay. hoping to get me back on screen before the winter ends. So we'll see. Yeah. Do you ever get like, uh, like crazy stories about like being on General Hospital? Like, say you're at a grocery store and someone recognizes you from that. It's absurd, right? Okay, so like, I have three claims to fame. One right. is like, I'm the Arab chick. So like, I pioneered stand up in Palestine and Jordan and Beirut and like the Levantine Middle East. So there's a whole portion of the world. That knows me as like the fittest out of gummick. And then there's a whole portion of the world that knows me from a TED Talk. Yeah. I did a TED Talk in 2014. That is God is my witness. I did not take seriously because they weren't paying me. So I was like, whatever. And <laughs> it ends up going like massively viral, changing my entire life. Wow. Most viewed TED Talk of 2014. Wow. So like in airports and Marriott hotels, people recognize me from my TED Talk because they put you, TED Talks is one of the channels at Marriott. Yeah. So like they watch porn for like 45 seconds and then they switch to me <laughs> and then back to the porn because I'm inspiring like that as most disabled people are. <laughs> yeah. Now so that's, but that's number two. But the number one thing that people recognize me from is General Hospital. And I think it's so interesting because soaps are given no glory. They're like the redhead stepchild of television. And that audience is massive. They're dedicated. And they're like savagely loyal. Yeah. So whenever I go, I, I have like 87 jobs because when you're brown in America, like you got to hustle or you die. But one of my other gigs is I go on CNN. I'm a commentator on CNN. Wow. When I go on CNN, people who are part of Cult 45 attack me online. And they say things like, she looks like she was hit in the face with a frying pan. Her lip is so annoying. I want to tear it off. And the general hospital plans, they sweep in like Eagle Fang, and they defend me to the death. And it's so interesting because soap opera fans are diverse. And yeah. some of the soap fans overlap with the evil empire. And they're like, listen, we think Muslims are evil, but don't you dare go after me soon. And like, they're so fucking protective of me. They spot me everywhere. Wow. Everywhere. I'm in like Germany and people are like, you're not I'm here. And I've been on the show like five times. It's been like five times because I started and then I was like getting my steam on January 27th and then the world shut down. And yeah. my executive producer, Frank Valentin, is so awesome that he didn't want me to die because like at the time 
disabled people were being like denied ventilators and just like left to die at home. And we were like, mm, maybe I should wait. Yeah. But yeah, it's a wow. dream job. I love them. Well, see, like that's that's one of the things that's very inspiring about you because you made your dream come true on that, you know? I took 20 years. That's what your audience has to know. Like, here's the thing. Like, I got no problem with people being inspired by me because, like, I'm a badass. I make my dreams come true. And I'm, like, an equality junkie who, like, really believes in equality. I don't want people to be inspired because they're like, she's so brave. If I were her, I would kill myself. Like, I want to be inspiring to you because I'm like, eh, I'm palsy and I have a life. And they're like, oh my God, she's like so inspirational. But I don't mind it if they're like, oh my God, have you seen her cat? Yeah. Like, Beyonce. <laughs> and like, I'm inspired by that. Yeah, then I'm fine with it. If it's like me that's inspiring them, it's fine. If it's the fact, like I said, that I'm like a make a wish kid, depends on what they want to give me. That could be fine too. Well, you inspire. <laughs> Come on, that was funny. It was funny, but uh, <laughs> but you you I think uh, I think I I I instantly love you because you <laughs> you inspire me because I have Asperger's syndrome. And I oh, know, wow. I know that's not, you know, surreal palsy, but like I have the same dreams as you not to be on general hospital, but to be a comedian and all that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's awesome when, you know, people who have other disabilities achieve that dream. Yeah. And there's no hierarchy in disability, you know, autism and Asperger's syndrome and cerebral palsy and chronic illness. None of it is a monolith, but nothing is like, oh, well, you know, I can't feel like that because my disability is not as bad as the person next to me. I think it's like we're all competing with ourselves and we're all competing with incredible systemic ableism that's like blocking us at every turn from getting to our goals. So like, I'm fully aware that I have like talking privilege that my nonverbal friends don't have. Yeah. Or I have walking privilege that wheelchair users don't have. But I don't feel like because mine is like super severe and painful and maybe somebody else is lighter that we're not in the same battle because the obstacles we face, the discrimination we face, the fear we face is the same, whether we're like super subtle or like, you know, very visually extreme. Now, would you say like when you do a uh, standup, would you say like your cerebral palsy gives you an edge because when I do stand-up, I feel my Asperger's helps me a lot. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. And the reason that I don't know is because it's always been part of my comedy. Because my dream was to be on General Hospital. Nobody, like, looked like me on TV. Like, there was barely any disabled people. If they were, they were white boys. They weren't, like, brown, fluffy chicks. So where I saw myself was in the world of comedy, like Richard Pryor, the yeah. original Shaking Comic. So I took a stand-up comedy class at Caroline's Comedy Club. My teacher's name was Mike Irwin, rest his soul. He was so incredible. And Mike made us get on stage every single class, including the first class. So the first class, I get up on stage, and I want to be like Andrew Dice Clay. So I'm just like spitting the most vile, filthy Virgin Mary <laughs> jokes you ever heard in your life. And the class 
is howling because the jokes are really funny and it's hard to get other comedians to pay attention to you. So oh, if yeah. you can get other comics waiting their turn to laugh, you've done something. And I finished and Mike Irwin looked at me and he said, what the fuck's going on with you? And I said, oh, I have cerebral palsy. And he said, you have to tell the audience because if you don't, they'll think you're either nervous or drunk and neither of those things will work. They'll resent you because if they think you're drunk, they'll be like, she's not taking this seriously. And if you think they think you're nervous, they get nervous too. Right. So I had no choice but to address it from the very first day. But I didn't want to be a disabled comic, even though that wasn't really defined the way it is now. I was like, that's not my thing, because I started doing comedy one year before 9-11. So I was the Arab comic, the Muslim girl from Jersey post 9-11. Like, that was what my persona was. Anyway, what I did was I buried cerebral palsy in my routine. So my original intro was, I'm a Palestinian Muslim virgin with cerebral palsy from New Jersey. If you don't feel better about yourself, maybe you fucking should. And the idea was, I didn't want to just be the disabled girl, but I knew I had to tell them. So I buried it in all my other minorities. Now, do I think it gives me an edge in one way? Yes. In that it's very hard to steal jokes from me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. but, but, but like, I don't have a Netflix special and like every single comic I train through the New York Arab American comedy festival has a special women comics who I adore, who I came up with, who are at the same level as me have specials comics who suck ass have specials and I don't. And it's because whenever we approach the big wigs about this, they think of me as inspirational instead of a comic. And like, I'm a hardcore old school comic, like, you know, doing like eight open mics a week in New York City shows at like 3.30 in the morning with like seven Swedish tourists, you know, Live Nation tours, 35,000 seat stadiums. I can't get a Netflix special because the stigma against disability is so strong that I can't even get people to take me seriously as a comic. And I was hoping that would change with Hannah Gatsby. But it didn't. Yeah. Um, it was like they got the one and done. I know how that's like because I, I just filmed my special and I tried shopping it to Netflix and Amazon. And the first thing – because I talk about uh, my Asperger's for like 30 minutes out of my hour. And they said, oh, no one wants to hear about a kid with autism. And I was like, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? So first of all, reduces your story – to something that's so niche like they can't understand that like this is a human story and like when i go and listen to a comic talking about how he saved a squirrel that he hit with his car i never hit a squirrel with my car i can't fucking identify with that but it's funny if it's funny and so like one of the things that i get all the time is it will she read in middle america 
And what they're trying to say is she's brown and I think the racists will hate her. And I'm like, yes, I will, because I tell jokes about my mom and about dating and about human stuff. They simply don't look at our lives and our experiences as a common human experience. We're like aliens to them. Second thing is they don't realize that disabled people are 25% of the population and we have the buying power of fucking China. So like they don't understand that we are the audience they're trying to tap into. Yeah. Uh, that that's that's a good point too and i think like when they make these uh decisions they don't realize that you know and part of it is fear right because they don't want to watch a special about someone like me or like you because they're afraid they're gonna have an autistic child and they're afraid they're gonna get in a car accident and end up like me and like we're their worst fucking fear and if they just listened to us we'd be so much less like scary ghosts and more like oh that's dope i'd actually like to hang out with that person exactly i wish you were in because LA i gotta right tell you I am in LA right now. This is how I travel now. Uh, I'm like a full Star Trek. I'm like a full Star Trek. Just beam me up. I was in Australia this morning. I'm going to Vegas tomorrow. That's cool. I I made fun of men who live in their mom's basement for 20 fucking years. And this is my karma. I know. Live in the basement because this is all I do day and night. <laughs> I was going to say, I wish you were in LA right now so we could do stand up together. I think that would be awesome. Do you go to the, are the clubs open in LA? Not in LA, no. No, uh, yeah. New York is close too. So I'm doing flappers actually on Monday. Oh. Oh, online. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, New York, New Jersey, L.A., it's all closed down. Like, I guess in, like, Florida, the clubs are open and, like, D.L. Hughley almost died on stage, but I don't know. (laughs) I'm happy he's okay. Yeah. D.L. has a son who has uh, Asperger's, too. So, yeah, his his son was in my support group. And then I remember I asked him, hey, do you think D.L. Hughley would do the podcast? He just looks at me. He's like, no. I was like, all right. He's like, don't ask me that question. No, but I have to tell you, the absolute only reason that I did this is you have an impressive roster of former guests. Oh. I was like, Maz, I was like, Maz Jabrani. Well, if Maz did, I'll do it. But there were like a bunch of big comics that I couldn't believe you got. Well, I got, and you're on, you're on the list too. So, <laughs> well, go. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much. It's pretty much like Sarah Silverman, me, Amy Schumer. Like that's the <laughs> ranking right now. Uh, you're 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 high above Sarah Silverman. Trust me, <laughs> I am high above. <laughs> 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 but no, thank you so much for doing it. It really means a lot to us. So, so I appreciate it. Yeah, I even like, I, I'm telling you, I hate podcasts. Isn't that the first thing I said to you? I hate podcasts, but I'm going to do this. I hate podcasts. I hate them. Oh, wow. I just hate them. I know. I get that it's a genre. It's just not my genre. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Because like before podcasts became like the Zoom world, no one could see me. And I'm like the lost Kardashian. It's like my whole bit. People have to see me. And then when <laughs> podcasts became all Zoomy, by the time you get to me, like look at the bags under my eyes. <laughs> Freaking, I look like I, I haven't slept since Ivanka Trump became queen. Like, I don't know what's happening. Well, I'm, not allowed, I'm not allowed to say that name. I was. It's like Voldemort, she who shall not be named. I have a strange bitterness towards Venki that should be directed towards the men and is completely focused on her. Let's move on. <laughs> Well, the thing, if it makes you feel any better, we don't promote the video. We just release the audio. So, Are you kidding me? Yeah. Nobody's going to see the Eagle Bang shirt. (laughs) That's true. true. Good point. (laughs) I'm wearing freaking lipstick for no reason. Tell your audience what I'm doing right now. <laughs> okay, we'll release the e- eagle thing. Then, but... <laughs> tell him. Tell him he soon just put away her hair. I'm not worth it anymore. Look, I'm wearing pajamas. You guys got nothing. <laughs> oh, God. Now, another question I had is... um. Uh, you you think that you say that uh, they Hollywood doesn't uh, represent disabilities accurately, and I agree with you. How do you feel? Like how how what are steps that we could change that? Okay, hold on. I'm taking a screenshot because like I really now oh that I know God, that it's not because <laughs> now that I know that no one can see us. <laughs> so um sorry so well. It's multifaceted. So number one, 95% of all representations of disability on screen are played by non-disabled actors. I personally, and a lot of like my Crip crew, believe that visible disability, much like race, cannot be played. Now, I think that Asperger's and autism and deaf are visible disabilities. I use the word visible because we do have things like mental health issues, chronic pain, fibromyalgia that you can't see. And that's something that you could kind of debate and I leave it to that community. But in my opinion, visible disabilities, much like race cannot be played. And like, I'm gonna use myself as an example. I have cerebral palsy, I shake all the time and my mouth moves like Gumby. If an actor came on television and tried to imitate how my mouth moves, it would be cartoonish and offensive. And it's a waste of the actor's talent to focus that much energy on imitating a disability when disabled actors exist. There's over 4,000 disabled actors on Actors Access, and you can't just get on Actors Access. You have to actually be good. You have to be talented. And so the talent exists. That's the first reason that we should be playing ourselves. It's because it's inauthentic, it's offensive, and you just get a better portrayal when you have someone who lives with that disability playing that disability. But also we have to be behind the scenes because if we're not telling our stories, only three stories get told about us. Heal me, 
you can't love me because I'm disabled or kill me. You know, like me before you, million dollar baby. We're like, everybody's lives are better if the disabled person is dead. And I feel like we need to tell our own stories because we're not mainstream. We're not being cast as the teacher, the lawyer, the comic, the romantic lead. Because I want to see both things. I want to see us playing roles that are written about our disabilities, but I also want to see us playing roles that aren't written as disabled because, like, why can't you be the taxi driver? Why can't I be one of Olivia Pope's lawyers on Scandal? What I'm doing right now on General Hospital, my character's disability has nothing to do with her. Nothing. She's disabled because I am. So, like, I'm a lawyer, and in the court, when the judge says, all rise, I stay seated. And no one is like, excuse me, judge, I'm going to stay seated because I have cerebral palsy. And the audience watching loves it. They're like, oh, Zara doesn't get up because she has cerebral palsy. And, like, palsy people feel seen. Parents of palsy kids feel, like, hopeful. Positive images of disability in Hollywood can save lives. It's sad. It shouldn't be true, but it is. Yeah. Because when we destigmatize, demystify, and, you know, kind of strip off that fear, then when a parent has a disabled child, it's not the end of the fucking world. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, I, I feel like we show beauty in life as well, you know? And I feel like it's sad that Hollywood can't give us that benefit to prove that you know so So one-dimensional you know it's just so one-dimensional yeah so i don't i don't have any real feelings about this stuff alan i'm just riffing riffing. not at all i can tell (laughs) (laughs) now uh i wanted to ask you like are are you do you have plans on writing your own sitcom about this to try and make oh my god keith you don't know we're always available. Oh, this is the worst story of my life. Oh. I'm so excited that you invoked it because, you know, the worst stories always make the absolute best comedy. Okay. So here goes. I do the TED Talk. It goes viral. Hollywood comes to me. They're like, write a show. I'm like, fuck yeah, already did it. So I had a sitcom called Can Can. And um, I was a restaurant reviewer by day, Broadway wannabe by night, in a steamy love triangle between a fresh off the boat Palestinian refugee and a New Jersey city cop. And uh, and I had a best friend and, and, and a mom and dad who were very ethnic, and, and the hilarity ensued. So I sell the show um, t- to a producer, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a second, to a producer. And then my studio is NBC Universal. My network is ABC. So this is like the ultimate dream come true. Well, right. my producer decides that because I never wrote uh, my own sitcom, he's going to pair me with a head writer. He pairs me with a head writer named Joanna. Now, when my sitcom's contract gets signed, my incredible, incredible agent happens to get a promotion, becomes a studio exec. The contract is thrown to Arando, who doesn't do their homework. In the contract, they give the head writer all the power and me none. And the head writer decides she don't want to collaborate with me. 
She is a non-disabled, non-Muslim, non-funny, non-Jersey girl who tries to write a disabled Muslim Jersey funny girl. And the result is the worst inspiration porn you have ever seen in your life. Like I wanted my character's disability to not even be mentioned until like episode six, where it's a plot point and she's going into a bar and the bouncer stops her and he's like, you're wasted, you can't come in. And she's like, I'm not drunk, I'm disabled. And he goes, oh, are you the R word? And he says the R word and her date, punches him and that's the first time in our lives we acknowledge her disability and it's this like really shocking moment she had me standing on a bow of a ship in the first episode saying i have cerebral palsy like leonardo dicaprio on the titanic so a it was a 22 year old 22 years old not funny joke and b i was like what the fuck and at one point so they took away her love interests and instead of being like, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker after the bus hit her, instead of that, she was pining after a guy since she was five years old that she was invisible to. So you can't love me because I'm disabled. And at one point they said to me, if she's too successful, she'll make normal people feel bad. Wow. Wow. And so I burned that shit to the ground like Dave Chappelle, and I walked away. Awesome. I, I would have walked away, too. I walked away. I yeah. walked away. Everybody tried to convince me to just roll with the punches, and then when I got on set, I would be the star, and I could do whatever I wanted. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm not your cripple. Like, I'm not going to do your, like, racist Muslim stereotype freaking ableist inspiration porn because it's not funny. Had it been all of those things and hysterically funny, I would have been like, eh, we can do it. It'll be like an always in Philadelphia, you know, just really bad fucking taste. It was so not funny. So not funny. Her entire opening joke was about how instead of birthday cards, we should give people thank you for that salad card because salads are like a really good gift. Yeah, salads are terrible. That was her opening fucking joke. And I was like, and I kept telling her, I was like, these people are Arab. And she's like, but they're American. I'm like, yeah, the, the Sopranos were American. But like, we knew they were Italian. These people were like, hello, Susan. Can I put some raisins in your potato salad? Anyway, her name is Joanna. And like now every time I hear Joe, like Joe Biden, I like twitch because she destroyed my life. But wow. um, it's fine. Someday I'll get a second chance, I'm I'm sure. Well, if I ever become... <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> if, I, if I ever become the head of a studio, you got your second chance. What would your studio be called? Oh, that's a great question. I would say, um, hmm, I have no desire to own a studio, so this is putting me on the spot. I have a, I have a, I, I'm trying to build like the disabled Tyler Perry brand universe, and my um, production company is called CanCan Productions, and the initials are CP. Oh, that's cool. Because I'm from Cliffside Park, New Jersey. <laughs> 
I am. My hometown and my disability have the same initials. Uh, How much longer is this? I got to go. <laughs> Good. Uh, ten, ten minutes, uh, and then we'll, okay. let you, we'll let you go. But uh, right. So you hate podcasting. I think you're actually very good at it. Have you ever thought about making your own? So exactly. I think that's the big reason I hate it. You're a really good host. And like you can tell from my personality, I would never blow sunshine up your ass. I would have been gone at the 10 minute mark. I would just been like I would just been like, no internet. Anyway, um I think I think that's the reason I hate podcasts because most of the hosts suck and I end up carrying their whole show on my back. And the reason I'll never make a podcast is because unless you're Mark Marin or Joe Rogan, it doesn't make money. And right. I don't do shit unless I'm getting paid. Like nothing. Oh. Nothing. That's why I was wearing the Eagle Fang shirt. I'm trying to get me that Netflix money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. Well, I appreciate you taking a chance on this. I thought, honestly, you only did it because the last name was Reza. So I was like, oh, when she finds no, out. Huh? No, that actually makes it that actually makes it worse because like the mediocrity of like Middle Eastern, South Asian, and Persian men who think they're good is like off the charts. <laughs> Dinesh D'Souza, anyone? <laughs> oh, my. That's right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever laughed this hard at a podcast. <laughs> and you interview like the greatest comedians. What went wrong? You know what it is. It's because... I, I don't get... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's because you're probably the funniest comedian. I was just about to say, you know what it is? Because I'm by far the funniest comedian, which is apparently why I can't get a Netflix special. Colbert, Fallon, Conan, Kimmel won't give me two and a half minutes to make the funny. I'm badass. I don't know what the fuck's going wrong. We we should start a tweet where uh, these guys see your comedy, like like <laughs> like uh, book me soon or something. You know what I mean? Something catchy. <laughs> We should trend it. Yeah. I think that I think our only choice is the make a wish angle. Do you <laughs> want to make Maysoon's <laughs> dream come true? And then I'm like <laughs> For your listeners, I was making like a Saint Jude's sick child face. <laughs> and I give them money and I'm trying to heal them so I can mock their sick asses. <laughs> <laughs> I obviously have no children. <laughs> uh, do you want children someday? I did. I wanted children. I was married for 10 years. I tried to adopt for six years. The United States of America is so incredibly discriminatory against disabled parents that even disabled people who have children often have their children taken away from them. And if you try to adopt as a disabled person, like you just might as well like try to fly across the Atlantic Ocean by like flapping. It's just impossible. Wow. But then like I aged out of it and then like I grew out of it. Like there's women who are like wistful. And I'm like, have you seen my cat Beyonce? <laughs> She's totally going to feed me soup and not send me to a nursing home where COVID kills me in my old age. 
<laughs> well, you just saved me from ever wanting to adopt children, so I appreciate that. <laughs> no, just lie on the application. Don't make the mistake I made. I could have easily lied, but no. Uh, if I was just if I was just a wine mom, because like my palsy kind of looks like I'm wasted, I could have just been like, I like my vino, and they would be like, you're perfect. Throw <laughs> Xanax in that and call it a night, mom. Uh, uh, I can't lie though. That's part of uh, uh, Asperger's. Like I'm very, I'm so honest. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god! Wow, I, that's so perfect. Your disability is disqualifying you on every level of this hierarchy. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, I'll just sit on the couch. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. And it's funny because you can almost pass as a white man. So you can have an immense amount of privilege. But a white man who can't lie is basically a minority. <laughs> exactly. Well, Alan, do you have any last second questions for May soon? I, uh, you know, I had a, a bunch here, so I don't want to, like, uh, tire her out. I mean, she's holding. Oh, now go the, for it, Alan. Like, like, like holding the, the, the pillars. <laughs> Killers of podcasm. Um, you know, uh, what do you think about the trend uh, uh, that everyone is producing everything on their own, just like when they had independent films, you know? And so so it, it's like so many people out there, you know, just like I the cooking. It. Everyone is a gourmet cook, you know, and then, yeah, and I think it's funny. I mean, I, what's your opinion on, on like the saturation so uh, I love it. I love it because I think we have really short attention spans <laughs> and that it's incredible to be able to like, I think of it as like turning the dial back in the day when you would just flip channels really fast. Yeah. Like we don't flip channels anymore. And I think the saturation allows us to flip channels. That being said, I fucking hate it because that shit don't pay. And you got to like create all this content. Everybody's like, make your own show and you'll turn into Nia Vidalis and my big fat Greek wedding. And 20 years later, you're like, why is American Express keep calling me? It's not 1999. I was told Y2K would wipe out that bill. So like, I hate the fucking fact that we have to make our own shit because no one will make it for us. Because so much of the stuff being self-made is such higher quality than the mainstream stuff. I love the things I find online. <laughs> wow, thank you. Uh, we, we, had a, we had a Twitter question. Uh, what was it like working with Adam Sandler? Oh, my God, it was incredible. It was, like, the best thing ever. They tell you not to meet your heroes because they never met Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler is kind, he's humble, and he is genuinely one of the funniest fuckers you'll ever meet. And he made sure that his cast and crew made the set incredibly accessible for me incredibly accessible they were so inclusive and like i i limped on set and it was kevin james chris rock kevin nealon dana carvey adam sandler henry winkler i was like in comedy heaven yeah. and then and then dave matthews walked in and i was an obsessive 
obsessive Dave Matthews fan. I had seen him 126 times on the day that I met him, and I passed out cold. I actually fainted. But back to Adam Sandler. <laughs> In addition to being kind, humble, and funny, he was an incredible teacher. And he heavily influenced how I behave as a comic, as a producer, and as a business person. Because Adam never yelled at anyone. He treated everyone with respect. He treated everyone equally. And his set is incredibly funny while being like an absolute perfectionist who doesn't shortcut or rush anything. Like he makes sure it's perfect before we move on. So like the idea that you could be fun, but also a perfectionist, like I learned that from him and it was just an incredible experience, but I'm kind of bitter because I still get these huge residual checks from Zohan, but he never put me in anything else. And if he had just put me in like one other show, I wouldn't have to have seven fucking jobs right now. <laughs> well, you never know. He might put you on in the future because he tends to take care of everybody. He just probably has. I know, but yeah. he, it was 2007. We're yeah. like 13 years out, dude. That ship has sailed. Well, <laughs> I, I, I disagree on, on that only because I'll, I'll tell you a story. I tore. I toured with Norm, and uh, Norm is one of Sandler's best friends. And Norm uh, did Billy Madison in, like, 95, and then he didn't do anything until Grown Ups in 2010. So sometimes... Oh, my God. Takes- you just totally renewed my hope. <laughs> I, want, I want one more question from Alan before I go. Oh, my. I'm flattered. I'm flattered. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know how, and I think this, this, you might have even said this in a TED Talk, you know how you get all caught up in holding on to your previous selves in anything, anything, but in, in show business as well, your previous jokes, your previous acts, because, of course, that's part of you. But then you become like this hoarding fuck that uh, is hoarding these, these, these memories. And nah, that's like, not me, my man. I do that. <laughs> I do that. No, nah, yeah. No, nah, that's not me. I fly. I before the pandemic, I used to fly two hundred days a year. I'm not attached to anything you in the entire you. world except for my cat. I'm you. super attached to the cat. She travels with me domestically. When yeah. I go international, I'm sure. like in a constant <laughs> like flurry of like, "Where's my pussy?" But now I like that. I love to throw out jokes and start new ones. I, yeah. I'm not attached to projects. I can sell scripts and then like watch white men just fucking shit all over them as I count my dollar bills. Like I'm super, <laughs> super shallow. I have barely <laughs> any substance. Like Man. my only substance is trying to keep disabled people alive. Everything else, I'm just a mercenary. I'm like, give me the money. <laughs> Oh, look at that. I love it. I love that it. That fracking you. money. Give me that fracking money. Listen, I'll take that. I'll take that with me. Well, 
May soon, where can the folks at home follow you and support Maysoon.com. So my name, Maysoon, is like the month of May is coming soon. Maysoon.com. Maysoon.com has everything. It has my web series because they told me create a show and you'll become a star. It didn't happen. Called Advice You Don't Why Here where I give people advice they don't want to hear. It has links to like all my clips and my comedy. It has my tour dates. And most importantly, it has an entire page dedicated to pictures of Beyonce the cat, as well as links to all of my social media. So maysoon.com is the place to be. Don't fucking email me. I know there's a button. That's not for you. That's for people who can pay me $20,000 an hour. And for me, right? I just want, well, that's how you found me. But, that, but that's why, like, that, that's why I don't do this shit. This shit don't pay. You know what I mean? But, like, if you want to pay me, and then I'm like, this is how you can be inclusive, then you click the button. But if you're some dude from Saudi that wants to know if I want to make Mary on you, don't fucking click the button. <laughs> Well, Mason, thank you so much for responding to the email, and thank you for saying yes. It really does mean a lot to us. We both appreciate it. I'm so excited to meet you, and I'm I'm gonna hype up your show because oh. I had super low expectations, but you totally exceeded them. Oh, I thank you, Mason. We love you very much, and have a great day. Peace out. All right, stay alive. Masks up. Yeah. <laughs> Bye, Mason. <laughs> wow, guys. That what was with the... Uh, what, no. what a cool chick. What oh, God. Cool uh, follow uh, Mason at www.mason.com. And that was our great interview with Mason Zareed. It was wonderful. And it was fantastic. All right. Subscribe, rate, review to the show. Alan Lee, we'll see you next week. You got it. Ah. Peace out. Bye. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there, www.stereo.com slash Keith and on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.